Welcome to the City Church Sermon Podcast. City Church is a new church located in the city of Frisco, Texas, just north of Dallas. Our hope and prayer is that the following message can serve as an encouragement and as a blessing and inspiration in your walk with Christ. If you have any questions about City Church and want more information about us or you want to visit during one of our Sunday celebrations, please visit us online at citychurchfrisco.org or email us at hello at citychurchfrisco.org. If you would like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at citychurchfrisco.org slash give. Thank you for listening. I heard the story um, recently about a, a man. He was, he was actually telling a story about his mother. And his mom, as he was growing up, played the piano at the church. And as he played, the, she played the piano. She would, he would watch her play the piano. She would sing. She would lead. And she was very talented, and, and as um, his, her mom, his mom would, would sing and play, she wanted to share this talent with him as he was growing up, and she would take time every day and sit down at the piano, and, and she, she would teach him different uh, scales, major scales, minor scales. She would teach him uh, different chords, major, minor, augmented, diminished, and, and would try to teach him some music theory, progressions, but he just wasn't interested in music like she was. She didn't like the the keyboard. She didn't. Li- he didn't like the piano like his mom did. And but his mom would try, and he would get frustrated. He would get tired. And he remembered that one day he got home, and his mom says, "Son, I got to show you something today." He's like, "What are you going to show me, mom? I got to show you that the best news in the whole wide world is found in a simple eight-note scale." And the son is like. What do you mean? In a simple eight-note scale that the best news in the world is found? Yes, son. The best news, the greatest news, uh, it's good news that we can all use, that we all need. And it's found in a simple eight-note scale. Come on, son. Now, I want to show you. And I'm going to do this at the risk of messing up, all right? But she's like, sit down at the piano. I don't even know how to work this piano. So sit down at the piano. I need you to play me a scale. So he sits down at the, at the piano, and, and, and he sits down and says, just an eight-note scale? Yes, just play me an eight-note scale. So he sits down, and he does an eight-note scale. And he stops, and he looks at his mom. Mom, what are you talking about? What do you mean that that's the best news in the world? No, son. Uh, yes, the best news in the world is found in a simple eight-note scale, but you played it wrong. Play it the other way. So this, the man, the young man, he was really frustrated with this. He wanted to go outside and play. He, he, he was, again, he didn't like the piano, so he's just trying to get his mom off his case. So he sits down again and, says, and, and plays it the other way. And then he looks at his mom and is like, really, mom? I got stuff to do. You're telling me that this is the best news in the world. And the mom looks at him and says, yes, son. You played it right, that was good, but you need to add the pauses. Mom, an eight-note scale with pauses. Yeah, you need to add the pauses on the, on the first note, the second note, the fourth note, the sixth, the seventh, and the last note. Mom, really, uh, the, the best news in the world can be found in a simple eight-note scale with random pauses in it? Yes, son, play it. 
He was so frustrated, he said, no, I'm going. I got to go play outside. He got up, he left, and he never played it. Then he's relating the story that years later, after his mom had passed, they were going through the stuff at, at, at home and packing things up, trying to figure out what to do with everything. And he came to the piano, and he was hit with a wave of nostalgia and just remembering all the times that his mom, although his mom was very frustrated with him because he was a very frustrating child, that she would sit there and try to patiently, patiently teach him the piano. And as he was sitting there looking at the piano, uh, reminiscing upon all these things, he, he remembered what his mom said about the best news in the world is found in an eight-note scale. And interestingly enough, he remembered the pauses. The first, the second, the fourth, the sixth, the seventh, and the last. So he pulled out the chair. He sat down at the, at the piano. And he decides, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play this. He thinks about the pauses. And he plays it. That's when he realized that his mom was right. That the best news in the world was truly found in this eight-note scale. Because he had learned over the years from the teaching of his mom that the only person in life that was dependable, the only friend, true friend he had in life that was always going to be there no matter what happened in his life was Jesus. And that the news of this ain't no scale was joy to the world. The Lord has come. That's why we gather today, church. That's why we gather every Sunday. That's why we gather in each other's homes and we study the Bible. This is why we gather because there is good news to be proclaimed. There is great news to be shared. And it's not just shared during Christmas time. We share it every Sunday. And we shout it with all our heart and with all that we have within us. That Jesus is alive today. And you can know him. And you can have him. And we talk about Christmas. And we read the Bible and we've all read this. I read this, a portion of this last week and I'm going to read it with you and if you want to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, it's up to you. I don't have any verses today. I don't have any slides. But just follow along with me. Luke chapter 2. The word of God says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Carinus was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting, everyone say expecting, was expecting a child. Those of you that have had a baby, you, you remember, right? You remember the expectations that were in your life at that moment. And if it was the first one, you know exactly how it felt. 
that your world was about to change. And it wasn't going to change for the worse. You were expecting great things in your life because now there was going to be a hope and a dream that was not only just going to be carried in you, but it was going to be carried in your child. And you had great expectations. And I think that Joseph and Mary were the same way, even though their circumstances were a little bit different. Uh, uh, angels came to them and spoke to them. They quite probably didn't understand what was going on at the moment. Mary, simply all she said was, I am the Lord's servant. Trying to tell the angel, whatever you say, and if it's from God, I accept it and I receive it. And they were expecting a child. Verse 6 while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped them in cloths and placed them in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Another Bible version says because there was no room for them in the inn. Everyone say no room. And there were shepherds living out to the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. Picture this. The shepherds are taking care of their flock. They're awake at night making sure that their sheep are good. And then all of a sudden there's an angel that appears to them, gives them this news. And then a, a heavenly host appears and they start saying, Glory to God in the highest. Can we try that? Can we say that? Glory to God. They, I, I think they were shouting it. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace. On earth, peace. High five two or three people and tell them, peace, my brother. Peace, my sister. Peace to your family. Peace. Peace. Isn't it interesting how we search for peace in our lives? Sometimes it's just not, we feel like it just can't be found. We, we're searching and, and we want to find peace in our hearts. We want to find peace in our, in our lives, but yet, yet life seems so busy. Life Seems so complicated, especially in these times. I mean, we've been talking about this the past few weeks, about a simple Christmas and how we just overcomplicate everything about Christmas. And we get so wrapped up with, with lights. We get so wrapped up with presents. We get so wrapped up with the things that we have to do before Christmas time comes around. And we seem to not be able to find peace, even though everywhere we look, we find the word peace. Peace. And see, peace is brought, it's hard to find because of fear. We have fear in our hearts. There, there's 
fear in our lives and, and there is fear about the future. There's fear about the things that are coming to pass. Fear about certain circumstances in your life. And I'm not minimizing what you have and what you're facing because there is plenty of opportunity for you and I to fear. Can someone say amen to that? Amen. amen. There's plenty for us to fear. But we got to remember that there is a God that loves you and that loves me. And in 1 John 4.18 says that there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. I just want to tell you that next time you're, you're feeling full of fear and you're, you're just having a hard time finding peace in your life, you just need to find somebody and just love on them. Because perfect love casts out all fear. Find somebody to love. Whether it's your wife, whether it's your sons, your brother, your sister you haven't seen in a while. Pour out some love and you'll see the fear just go away. But we're constantly, constantly searching for peace. And God tells us that's the message, Isaiah 41.10. says, do not fear. Do not be dismayed, for I am with you. But with everything going on in our lives, everything in our, in our homes, everything in our children's schooling, everything in our jobs, in our careers, everything we're pursuing, everything that's happening, we got to check every text message. We got to check every notification. We got to check every email that we get. Every call we get, we have to answer. The other day, my wife and I were having dinner and I got in trouble, guys. I was getting some text messages and uh, they were, in my mind at the moment, they were pretty important. And we were talking and we were actually having a good deep conversation. And I interrupted and I'm looking at the text message and she just looks at me and says, I'm here, you're here, but you're not here. And I'll just leave it there, okay? It was a lovely dinner afterwards. And... and we have to check everything. I told you guys the other day, the notification pings, and it's like, we just, it's like we just want some money. We go running. What is it? Who is it? Who liked my post? Who liked me on it? Who requested me as a friend? And we get so caught up with everything that is hitting us. We have so much input, so much stimulation from the outside world and we find our hearts full of things we can't allow God in. And we find it difficult to see God, much less hear God. And see, here's the question, guys. The question is not do you know about him because even those that are out in the world and, and never stepped into a church, they've all heard about Jesus. They've all heard something about a, a man born uh, 2,000 years ago and his name was Jesus and they choose to, to either ignore it or to keep living their lives. It's not, the question is not do you know about him, but the question is do you make time for him? Do you make enough time to know him truly? And the question is, are you making room in the end of your heart for Jesus? 
I mean, that's the picture in which Jesus was born. Here in a stable. Just look at it in a stable, in the clutter of the stable. There's uh, donkeys. There is, the, there is the, uh, the lowing of the cows. There's the braying of the donkeys. The bleeding of the sheep. The smell of the straw. And there's hay all over the place. And there is the Lamb of God. Who was born into this world to be a sacrifice for your sins and my sins. And isn't it appropriate that the lamb would be born in a stable? And laid in a manger? And whether you realize it or not, that's your heart. That stable represents your heart. The clutter within your heart. The things that you have it filled with. And all you do is you, you put a little space for Jesus. If that. Because Jesus did not come to angels and to stars. Jesus did not come to donkeys and to sheep. Jesus came to this world to knock on the door of your heart. And to see if you will let him in. But I know, I know, I know, I know. You have things to do. I know. You have work. You got to go to work. You, you got to put food on the table. I know that. You got Xbox. You know, you, you got to play Xbox. You got to get it in there. You got television. You, you're binge watching three seasons of Stranger Things, and you got to get it in. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> If it's two, three, four. Some of us are kind of just question marks. What is he talking about? We have got stuff to do. We got homes to decorate. We got homes to build. We got education to obtain. We got a family to care for. We got a yard to mow. But church, you have to understand that one day, one day, all of us will have an encounter with Jesus. And the Bible speaks that we're all going to live forever somewhere. And the Bible speaks of two destinations. It speaks of heaven, a wonderful place. Full of hope and full of glory and full of love and full of Jesus. And it speaks of a place called hell. Which is a separation from Jesus for eternity. Where there is suffering and there's tormenting. And I know none of us, none of us like to talk about this. This is not, this is not very popular to speak on this. But see, the enemy deceives us. And, and I'll tell you what, even the enemy doesn't like me talking about hell. The enemy deceives us by making us think and making us, uh, making us believe that I have tomorrow. I have tomorrow. I'll take care of it tomorrow. I'll make time tomorrow. I was reading in a story that, uh, that 15 days ago, right here. Northbound on 75 over in Plano. 
there was a car, there was a, an SUV that, that lost control. They crashed into another vehicle. And then after all the aftermath of the crash, that the driver, uh, the passengers that were in the vehicle, there was an 18-year-old and two children that didn't make it out. They lost their lives 15 days ago, here, in our city, in our town, in our area. See, I, I, I'm telling you, this 18-year-old, he had plans for his life. Maybe, maybe he had already been accepted into a university. Maybe he played football. Maybe he had a bright future. Maybe he already had a job lined up. And maybe he was already getting ready for Christmas, about to buy uh, his parents some Christmas gifts and his brother and his sister something. And maybe he had something for his girlfriend. If he had a girlfriend, he had plans in his life. And the children, they were excited because Christmas was right around the corner. There were plans. They had these plans. See, and the Bible says that tomorrow is promised to no one. But yet, we do not like to talk about this. We don't like to bring attention to the fact that within the next five minutes, one of us may no longer be here. We, we ignore it. We, we decide to just not look at that and we live our lives as if we are going to live for forever, as if we have as much time as we need to accomplish the things that we think we need to accomplish. And I know we don't like to talk about this, but I have to ask you, what if this were your last Christmas? See, for us, as I was growing up, Christmas was different every year. It varied. Sometimes we'd go to my, uh, my, my um, relative's house, my aunt's or my uncle's. Sometimes it was just us. And to be honest with you, my, my parents weren't all that um, uh, traditional in those kind of things. So sometimes we would do it. Sometimes we wouldn't. Uh, obviously, if they did it, this is how, how my parents aren't here today. So don't tell them this. And I'm going to strike this from the record, all right? But sometimes it was just, here, guys, here's 100 bucks. Let's go to Kmart. You guys buy whatever you want. That's just how we were. I mean, we didn't care. We got $100 to go buy toys. That was awesome. And as we got when I got married, my wife and I, we, we never really sat down to, to make a, a plan about Christmas. But we kind of developed the idea that let's always make Christmas in our home. That way my parents and my in-laws would always come to our house. And our closest friends would come to our house. And that way we would always make sure that we would celebrate Christmas with our children and, and, and with our kids. And, and Christmas was always a time of excitement. But I remember in Christmas that uh, it was a strange Christmas in 2010 when my brother no longer filled the seat that he usually filled. It was strange indeed. Quite honestly, I don't even remember what we did that Christmas. He died on December 10th. He went to be with the Lord, and I think we decided not to really do anything. We just stayed home, made a quiet dinner, gave something to the kids, but it was just a weird Christmas. And I think it took a couple of Christmases for us to kind of get back into that joyous, Holiday spirit, but 
It's not necessarily because we were hanging our heads. Because separation hurts from a loved one. If you've ever experienced it, you know it hurts. But I wasn't sad because, necessarily because uh, he had died without any kind of hope. Uh, I mean, I was sad because of the separation, but I knew within my heart, I knew within my soul that I would see my brother one more day. The day would come when I would get to see him again. And hold him. And hug him and tell him, man, I missed you so much. See, because I know, I know life is a vapor. That's what the Bible says. Life is a vapor. Here one day and gone tomorrow. And some of you, we've seen this. We, we took pictures of our kiddos up here, right? If your kiddo was up here, you're, you're taking pictures. And, and, I mean, it was the quietest mime ever. And they were so shy. And it's just such a, such a cute little thing, right? But you close your eyes and you open them and then you, all of a sudden you're looking at an 18-year-old in the face. That just happened to me. <laughs> and you close your eyes and you, and you open them up again and all of a sudden you have a college graduate on your hands. You, you blink your eyes and then all of a sudden uh, the house is empty because it's just you and your wife. And there isn't that laughter and there isn't that frustration because you're yelling at kids and you're telling them to be quiet and pick up your clothes and all what you would do for them to be small again. Where did it go? How did we get here? See, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19 says that if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. And Paul is speaking to the church and they're getting conflicting, uh, conflicting uh, doctrines and they're telling them that there is no resurrection. But Paul is saying, yes, there is a resurrection. Because if all we had was an image of a, a dead Christ, we should be the most pitied people in the world. But we have a risen Christ. We have a hope. Not only that Christ is within us, but that death will not longer have its sting over us. That grave will not have its victory. That we will live forever in Jesus. It's not just about Christmas, guys. It's not just about Easter. It's about the eventuality of life. The certainty of what's coming. That we're not going to make it out of this world alive. In this flesh. We're not. But death's power. When you and I come to Jesus. Death's power is released. No longer has a grip on us. That's the hope that we have. That's the hope that we cling to. There's a story told of a, of a young boy that's being dragged through the mall by his mom. And I don't know if you've gone through the mall lately, but 
we haven't. We it's all Amazon all the time. And and, and we you, they were going through the mall, and the mom is dragging the little boy, and the boy is tired. He wants to go home. He's frustrated. He's nagging. He's complaining. And, and the mom is also tired as well. And, and they're both just trying to get through the day. And when all of a sudden, as he's going by one of the shops, um, he comes across a nativity scene. It catches his eye, it catches his attention, and he stops dead in his tracks, and he grabs his mom, says, Mom, Mom, look at this, Mom, look at this. And the mom is like, we got to go, son. We can't stop and hang around. We got to go. We got stuff to do. We got to keep moving. We got. But Mom, Mom, who is this? Who is this? Son, that's the wise man. That's the wise man. Come on, now, we got to go. We got. But Mom, who is this one? That's wise man number two. Yeah, so, come on, let's go, let's go. But mom, you know how our kids are, right? But mom, who's this? That's wise man number three. It's a trilogy, son. Let's go. Let's go. But mom, who's this? Son, that's, that's Joseph. Oh, that's Joseph. Does he play the drums? Because I went to city church and there's a Joseph that plays the drums. He's pretty funny too. Son, we got to go. Who's that? That's the donkey, son. Let's go. That's the, why are you asking me who a donkey is? Let's go. Who's that, mom? That's Mary, son. That's Mary. Mom. 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 Son, we got to go. I got to go get gifts for people I don't like. We got to get going. But mom, that hit home, huh? (laughs) Mom, mom, who's the baby? Who's the baby, mom? I just want to ask you, do you know the baby? No, no, no. Do you know the baby? See, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, he said, the writer says that he that would come to God, he that would come to God must believe that he is. He's saying that he, he that was to come, if you are to come to God, you have to believe that there is a God. You have to believe that God exists. You have to believe that there is a higher power that is at work in your life. And if you are to come to God, you have to have faith and you have to have belief. You have to believe. Do you believe in God? Do you believe there is a God? Well, I think you need to affirm it. Do you believe there is a God? Do you believe that God exists? And we, it's a simple question, but we get so hung up with the answer to this question at times that because we can't find peace at times, because we can't find the answers that we're looking for, and we begin to doubt, we begin to think, well, is God truly there? Is God really there with me? And 
we seek peace. But the Bible says that if you want to come to God, you must believe that he is. And some of us begin to say, well, why doesn't God come to me? He did. We just read it. Jesus came to this world and he left his message of love, his message of hope, his message of salvation. So that when you would hear it, you would be filled with faith and that you would act and you would take action. And the writer says that he who would come to God must believe that he is. And the second thing he says that you have to believe is that you have to believe that he's a good, good father. Because he, it says, the word says that he is a rewarder of those who know him. And he's not a rewarder of casual acquaintances. He's not a rewarder of just casually coming to church. He, he's not just a rewarder of, of kind of knowing. He says that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Do you understand what this means? This means that if you seek God, he can be found. This means that if you truly look with him, with, for him with all of your heart, you will find Jesus. You will find God. He came into this world. If you have trouble believing the Bible, put the Bible down for just a moment and just look at history. The history of this world proclaims that Jesus was born. The time in which we keep our, our time and our days and our months was split in half by his birth because it was such a great and such a, a momentous occasion when he was born that time was split in half. It was before Christ and after the death of Christ. And we mark our calendars and history says and proclaims that Jesus was true. Jesus lived on this earth. That Jesus is real. What a mind-blowing thought. I can know God. Understand that phrase. I can know God. I can know the creator of this universe. And the creator of this universe wants to have a relationship with me. He says that he will reward me with a relationship with him if I seek him diligently. If I get up every day and I unclutter my heart and I'm able to see his hand at work in my life. If I'm able to hear his voice as I lift my voice to worship. And if I'm able to turn on the noise that's all around me and turn off all the anxiety that I have and just seek him for just a moment I can know my God you can know him church you can know him my friend do you know 
the baby. You can know him by name. In fact, he is called many different names in this word that we call the Bible. You can know Jehovah Jireh. He is my provider. You can know Jehovah Mikadesh. Because he sanctifies me. You can know Jehovah Shalom. Because he is my peace. And thank God that I know him as Jehovah Rapha. My healer. My deliverer. He is Elohim. Mighty and strong. He is Emmanuel. God with us. He is Yeshua. Jesus. The God that saves his people. Who's the baby? See, the disciples went everywhere with Jesus. We read it in Matthew and and Mark and Luke and John. They were with him all the time. They, They slept where he slept. They ate where he ate. But even Jesus, one moment, one day, he had to stop. He had to look at the disciples in their eyes. And he had to ask them the question, who do you think I am. Is God asking you today that? Who is God for you? Do you know him as your savior? Do you walk with him every day? Do you talk with him? Can you hear his voice? Do you feel his spirit in your life? Do you feel the joy that he wants to deliver in your life every day? Can you see him in his word? Can you find him when you seek him? Do you know the baby? Do you know God is the question I'm asking you today. I'm going to ask you to stand. Do you know him? If the answer is no, I've got great news for you. You can know him today. If you tell me, Pastor, I haven't felt God's presence in my life in a long time. Pastor, I have so many doubts about whether or not God is with me or if God is for me or even if God is real in my life or even if this whole God thing is true. I'm not sure. I'm filled with so many questions, so much doubt. But today can be the day that you are renewed in faith. Today can be the day which you can meet Jesus because Jesus says, if you will come to me and you believe that I am, I will reward you. I will give you my son. I will give you myself. I will give you my spirit. Today you can turn back to Jesus. Will you make room for Jesus in your heart? Will you make room for Jesus in the end of your life?